Okay, first and foremost, we are not mental health professionals. We are here to share our experience, but we can't give you medical advice. If you're experiencing a crisis, please reach out to a local or national resource. You can reach the National Suicide Hotline at 1-800-273-8255 or find additional mental health resources on the ABA website. Thank you, Ariana Grande. Hey, guys. Hi, Did Mental- you guys know that we know Ariana Grande and she just came to the studio and performed that for you all? <laughs> Thank you, Ari. Ari is God. Your favorite phrase? Ari is God. <laughs> hey, everybody. Welcome to Mensana, a motion for mental health. This is Laura. And I'm Caitlin. This is a podcast dedicated to reducing mental health stigma in the legal industry through weekly conversations. Would you guys mind if we just like faintly played Ari in the background during this whole episode? Like, (laughs) would that be super annoying? Or I feel like it wouldn't be that annoying, right? No, I feel like everyone would love that. Matt, what do you think? I'm all about it. (laughs) It is holidays. It's on point. Yeah, Yeah, it's perfect. So this is episode two of our two-part series. Matt is still here. Hello. Poor Matt. (laughs) (laughs) he's still here um so we are doing our second part of our diversity series on lgbtq plus um and non-conforming individuals so in the first episode last week as you know we talked about the ways that um queer people and non-hetero people experience the workplace and otherwise as queer people and talked about some different mental health experiences that we've had in the workplace. And hopefully um, y'all could kind of relate to that, whether you were hetero or non-hetero. Um, that's the hope anyway. And this section is going to be dedicated to addressing some solutions to sort of counteract some negative mental health experiences, hopefully, for people in your life that identify as such. And yeah, we're going to get rolling on that. We are going to talk about ways that the legal industry as a whole can work together to to make these experiences better for our colleagues. Um, we This is what we talk about all the time with respect to mental health. And I think that in order to fully address mental health, we have to address the different ways that different people experience mental health and other parts of the workplace. So step one is updating you all on our mental health journeys. Uh, I have been not necessarily struggling. I have a very important decision sort of looming over my head right now. And I've been thinking about this decision and working on this for quite a while. And it's now starting to come to the point where I have to actually make the decision. My life is almost literally at a fork in the road and I have to decide which direction to go. um, When people talk about like adulting being hard and they're like, oh, I don't want to pay my bills and make my own doctor appointments. They don't talk about like real life decisions that are terrifying to make and really hard to make because there are so many people involved that you care about. There are so many factors to consider and it's been like really making life difficult. Um, I've had so much anxiety and like, I don't want to like play the victim too much because it's, it's 
no matter what happens, it's going to be a positive outcome. It's I consider myself lucky to have the decision to make that I am currently trying to make. But my anxiety has been through the roof to an extent that I haven't really experienced since my Lexapro started kicking in and I got on a good level with it. Um, so I've just been trying to work through like remembering what anxiety feels like to have it at such a high level, like almost constantly. Um, I haven't been feeling really depressed, which is really good. I was kind of afraid of that coming back when my anxiety started spiking again and it hasn't. So that I think is at least a positive. Um, but overall, like I have just been kind of consumed with anxiety. It's been kind of hard. And with it being like the holiday season, that's not what I want to be feeling, but it is. And I'm just trying to work through that at the same time that I'm trying to like be happy and festive and excited about like all the gifts I'm getting for people and all that, which is all really positive and exciting stuff. Um, it's just, it's just been a lot of anxiety. I remember when I was, when we were still in law school and I think this is like the leadership program. We had a speaker in there and she was talking to us about anxiety and we were all like literally so anxious because we were deciding between you know what internship what externship what job offer blah blah, blah. and she was like y'all are so interesting because you know y'all are like smart people and I always tell my daughter this like literally no matter what path you choose it doesn't matter it's they're both going to be good or a- any one of the four things you have are going to be good and for some reason like I've been told that before but for some reason in that moment in law school, that just sort of like really spoke to me. And I put so much less pressure on myself to pick like the right thing because mm-hmm. seven different things could be the right thing. I mean, I feel the same way about like the theoretical one. There are many ones for me, you know? So like yeah. I th- I kind of like sort of braid that into my life philosophy. Not that you shouldn't be feeling anxiety about that. Totally valid. I would have so much anxiety if yeah. I was faced with that kind of decision because it does feel like a literal fork and you know everything's kind of changed even in this moment even in the moment in between so yeah I think that that what you just described is what I've been trying to remind myself of and not to get like super philosophical I'm not like a very spiritual or philosophical person but I think that anytime we are faced with such big decisions whether it be about a job or a relationship or you know, like a, something going on in your family, whatever it is, I think there is truly always a reason that you are faced with that decision. And it's because it is time for you to make that decision. So in the future, I'll tell you guys more details about what I have going on right now. But for personal reasons, I'm not going to. But I think that I I can see the end of the road. I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. Well, both tunnels, because there are currently two. And I know that it is going to be a positive outcome and I'm trying to just remind myself to relax because Mm -hmm. either way I'm going to be happy with the decision that I make. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, it's not awesome that you have all the anxiety, but yeah, I am excited that you have like cool opportunities, you know, to, to even consider like that. Um, my mental health journey wise, what you said about like heightened anxiety kind of reminded me, I've been kind of like feeling a little bit, like down or like disconnected or like I don't want to use the word depressed because it doesn't feel that extreme it just kind of feels maybe a little bit more fuzzy and dull which is how I think when I experience any sort of depression symptoms that's like probably 
besides like one instance that's is like bad as it gets for me on the depression end is that I just feel like a little bit off and aloof and not as like invested Mm -hmm. in my life um and I kind of felt like that I don't know just about like doing Christmas things recently like I was like decorating the tree and stuff and I just it kind of struck me like how excited I was in years past to like do stupid stuff like decorate the tree and I'm not even talking about like necessarily being a kid because I think that assumedly for most of us there's a difference between being a kid at Christmas and being an adult at Christmas and I don't know I mean I think I transitioned into adulthood well as far as like being really excited to give gifts and like the wrapping and like I really like all of the um like process around it like it always makes me happy um but something about like hanging up ornaments and I was just kind of like I don't know like smelling the Christmas tree kind of jarred me and I was like I remember when this was so fun and exciting to me for no reason like I don't know it's not like there's anything inherently like that exciting like when you were a kid or recently even no like even like more in years past and I don't know if it's because I'm like single now and it's not is like much of a like a partnered kind of thing I think that that was always um a big like piece of like my adult Christmases because like I'm a chronic relationship person um (laughs) maybe not so yeah yeah for sure in years past but I have been exploring not doing that for a while which I'm really proud of myself for because it's out of my comfort zone um but sort of like paying attention to the way that affects me around the holidays has been interesting but in noting my kind of like fuzzy offness I was thinking about um how I haven't experienced really like acute severe episodes of consecutive anxiety days recently. And I know this because I started logging these days in my app that like tracks my period because it's called, there's an app that's called Moody that lets you um, log and put notes in for days because I started noticing like cyclical sort of like extreme anxiety, which was like, you know, I have anxiety, but it, it, not not ever like that before and it always seemed to be tied to a certain time of like the month and not even it wasn't a pms symptom it was like (laughs) incapacitating just anxiety um randomly like not predicated by any sort of event or episode or anything and i started logging that and i realized i hadn't opened up that app in like a couple of months and i got a reminder from the app that was like you haven't logged in a while and i got those reminder i get those reminders like every couple of days and I just flick them off and I I wanted to check in with myself and have that as a reminder of hey you know maybe you should start noting positive mental health symptoms too or just the absence of negative mental health symptoms because I didn't think anything of it when the app kept telling me oh you haven't logged in a while when the only thing I was logging were are my negative mental health symptoms and really extreme things like extreme enough for me to like pause my day write a text note down in an app and save it. So um, I was kind of like, okay, like even though you may be feeling a little bit fuzzy and off right now, like you haven't had this kind of acute symptom in a while. And just like with other like physical and mental health symptoms, I face when you're not in it and experiencing it, it kind of just goes to the wayside for me. And I sort of think back on it with rose colored glasses, like, oh, it wasn't that big of a deal. I was just anxious. But when you're in it, it feels awful. (laughs) So like, I just wanted to like reflect on that and be like, okay, that's cool. Maybe you should be sort of journaling about that a little bit too. And about how, wow, it's been like three months without this happening. This feels great to not have like incapacitating anxiety for three days. So Mm -hmm. just to note. Yeah. Um, 
I think this is something we should have touched on a little bit more during our self-assessment episode because I've done that as well. There are a couple apps that can help with that. Dailyo is one where you just basically choose an emoji every day. Like it will check in and say, how'd you? Yeah. And it's really cool for me. That was easy because I didn't have to put in any notes. You can if you want to, but I could just like pick an emoji. Um, I got the free version, so there weren't as many like different emotions I have like yeah exactly I have way too many emotions to like break it down into like five feelings um but so I think tracking those things on a daily basis can be really good for self-assessment and I'm really glad to hear that you've been able to like step away from that because you weren't feeling those things but also that you were able to take the time to like check back in and be like hey this is actually positive and Self-assessment doesn't always have to be about finding negative things out about yourself. Maybe maybe it's really positive things. Like when Lexapro started working for me, I did a self-assessment and I was like, oh my God, I haven't felt anxiety in like four days. That's the longest it's it's been since probably like undergrad. So that's awesome. It's really good to hear. Um, I think there was another app I was going to... Oh, so the Apple Health app also, you can, you can track those things. Um, that's where I track my cycle and... It, it is tied to that, like, um, it is tied to your cycle, but you can put in different symptoms that you feel, and then you can al- you can always track notes in there as well. Matt. All right. <laughs> Journey uh, update. Yeah. This is the second episode, so our listeners are getting to learn so much about you. <laughs> I'm going to be a regular. Um, <laughs> so I think as I'm doing my own self, because you guys have inspired me to do a self-assessment <laughs> as, as you're talking, uh, I think something for me that's starting to create anxiety slash sadness um, is coming up. So we're coming up to the holidays, obviously. I usually, this is the first Christmas where my husband and I will both be together um, going to Roanoke, which is where I'm from, um, because usually he's from Trinidad and usually he has gone back to see family for Christmas and I've just always gone to Roanoke because law school made it inconvenient to travel for a break. Um, so anyway, he'll be in Roanoke. Um, and part of what the anxiety is, uh, obviously he's met my immediate family several times. Um, and everything's great there, but my extended family, they are more conservative. Uh, so I have some family in the UK who we, as a Christmas tradition, FaceTime. And there's just that pressure of like, them so i mean i've told them about my husband but they weren't exactly like super like like they still don't really talk about him or recognize our relationship which is i mean it sounds really sad and it is something that does make me sad although i can handle it because i think the way i cope is just to suppress everything yeah (laughs) Um, Yeah. which is a sign i need help but uh (laughs) yeah i don't i don't recommend it we've talked we've (laughs) talked about that several times on this podcast yeah so i'm you know i as you you guys have encouraged me to do this in time self-assessment right here um and i think that's something that i i'm sort of worried about not sure how to address luckily my husband has been very at first it was hard for him because he grew up in Nigeria uh, and several other countries where it was, uh, you could be stoned for being gay. And yet he was, he didn't really have an option because he is stereotypically like outwardly gay acting and appearing. Um, But he came out in those, in that setting. So he wasn't as sympathetic to me being like, well, in my first world, you know, England and America, (laughs) like I feel uncomfortable, but he's coming around to understanding that like everyone has their own journey. And this kind of goes into what we're talking about these past two episodes, but the holiday season and even the, epi- the the last ep- or the two episodes ago now um, where you're talking about the holidays and the, how that can create anxiety. And I think for queer people, and especially it creates its own anxiety because sometimes our families aren't always as accepting 
and that uh, although we feel pressured by society to make the holidays fun and to go home and to like do the family things and we feel pressured by our families because then they start worrying about us if we don't participate because one of the options I was thinking about was just not going home for Christmas Mm -hmm. but then I know that's going to really upset my mother and my immediate family and I do want to be there but I just have a new nephew now and I really want to go home and see him and my husband does enjoy um you know being around my immediate family but it's it's just those small and it's only a small part of the time that i'll be home but that is is itself anxiety inducing so yeah i mean i can only imagine and i mean i hope that everything goes smoothly and goes well and that it is a happy time for you i think we're going to talk about the holidays that so this episode will be coming out like a couple days before christmas like right in the thick of the holiday season so we're going to tie in a little bit of that holiday stress as well and hopefully give some tips to our listeners about how to manage your mental health during the holiday season, especially if you are in a situation like you are in. We wish you the best and and please let us know how it goes. We are here for you either way. This is what I said to Laura last week too. We're all, we are all each other self-care partners. So always reach out if you need us. Um, So let's just dive right in. We left off last week talking about some negative experiences that queer people have have experienced in the industry. We want to this week talk more about how to start addressing those issues. I think at the end of last week's episode, we were talking about diversity and inclusion and the difference between those two things um, and how sometimes Law firm policies might be really progressive, but the way they're implemented may not be. So let's dive into talking about how to implement those implement those policies in a more progressive way, in a more understanding way, in a more open way. Um, We have some questions that I've put together and then we've got some questions from listeners that people have wrote in and asked us that we'll talk about as well. Um, But again, like I said last time, this is not really my platform. So I'm going to like see my way out of this conversation (laughs) and let Laura and Matt take it away. So go ahead, guys. So Matt, I know you were just talking about diversity and inclusion and how, you know, to be inclusive means a pretty different thing than to just be diverse and Mm -hmm. in my understanding like diverse can being diverse or like having like a firm put a seal that we're a diverse firm like may not actually mean that much like being superficially diverse or they could be superficially diverse right yeah i mean i think diversity is a first step for sure obviously Mm -hmm. you can't give people a voice at the table unless they're there they have to be at the table so i think um firms are getting better that although there's still a long way to go especially in markets like richmond where it's uh, it just has been far behind the other the larger markets uh, in the country. But uh, the, the inclusion part, like I said, is the it's the voice at the table. It's it's providing uh, a welcoming environment, an environment that supports people from diverse backgrounds and the experiences and unique uh, attributes of people who identify as queer or of uh, as a non-white race or a different immigrant status or whatever it might be. And I think in the context of what we're talking about, one way to start uh, is for these employers, legal employers, to have uh, policies that are supportive of LGBT people. So that would include, um, right off the top of my head, I can think of parental sup- uh, leave. So a lot of employers still have the distinction between maternity and paternity leave, and oh. paternity leave being much shorter than maternity leave. But now you're starting to see firms... And, le- and other employers who are making the distinction instead between 
primary caregiver and secondary caregiver, recognizing that even in a heterosexual relationship, the man might be the primary caregiver for whatever reason. Um, and I think, especially for queer people, having that uh, primary secondary distinction instead of maternal paternal distinction can be really helpful, uh, especially for uh, gay couples, gay men, um, because before you would be stuck with two paternity leaves and there aren't very long, uh, whereas now I think uh, that's a great place to start. And there's obviously other policies too. Um, yeah, that's funny you say that because, I mean, as a <laughs> obviously as like a gay woman, I didn't even think about just having two paternity leaves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because in my head I was like, cool, double maternity yeah, leave. <laughs> I think that was one policy that actually inadvertently benefited yeah. lesbian. Uh, finally, finally. Or, or same-sex <laughs> female couples. Yeah. But, uh, that's that's it's not funny but that's interesting yeah <laughs> yeah i know you also mentioned like adoption policies yeah um i mean as y'all may or may not know there's still no federal protections for lgbtq plus people yeah we really so. have to start there the fact that there is no state or federal right there's nothing in, in virginia for yeah um, I just want to mention that in our notes about that. So we all took notes for this episode in different colors. And <laughs> Matt wrote like three exclamation marks in his color. Lara put like three in hers. <laughs> and then I added three in mine. So we have in all caps, still no legal protection for LGBT people with like 10 exclamation marks a in rainbow. all different colors. A yeah. rainbow yeah. of exclamation yeah. points, yeah. Exactly. if you will. As it should be. <laughs> exactly. Oh, uh, yeah. And I think adoption policies, I think that's... Um, so, for example, the firm I'm going to, they do have a policy where they provide support for the fees and because that's just a huge burden there. Uh, just getting started, going through all the legal process, they provide support with connecting you to adoption agencies that uh, have a partnership with the firm. Uh, and that sort of thing, I think, can help. That's, that's more just like a, it's an extra benefit um, that can attract more people of queer backgrounds. It doesn't necessarily go to the inclusion part other than it does help keep people at the firm if they're providing that support because when it comes to time for example for my husband and I just start making the adoption decisions the fact that I'll have a firm an employer that is providing that support will keep me there more than if say there was another firm in town that did have it and my firm didn't I would want to pr maybe leave just to have that extra um, support so I think on paper there are certainly things um, that employers can change to make themselves more inclusive policy-wise uh, and then the next step so, you, so you, you change the policy and now you have to like start changing the conversation you have to start changing the culture and that's I think the, the harder part of any uh, corporate or um, legal employer um, at, that's the hardest hurdle for them to overcome and I think that starts with affinity groups but I think a problem that I see with affinity groups is you often end up with everyone's just preaching to the choir. So you'll have, you know, your LGBT affinity group, your people, uh, African-American lawyer affinity group, uh, South Asian lawyer affinity group, whatever it might be. And it, you go to the meetings and it's just, so as a summer associate, for example, I went to some meetings of these different affinity groups and it was just all, you know, queer people getting together and yes that, that is good to have that but I and I think that does have its place in inclusion but a big part of then cr changing culture is reaching out to straight people and forming those alliances and and teaching them about our issues so that they understand because otherwise we just end up in an echo chamber complaining about how it sucks yeah but no one's there that can really change that 
Yeah, I've I've been part of several of those groups too, and I've had similar experiences. We were all like, yeah, 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 yeah. and w- which, like you said, it does have a time and a place. Like I yeah. enjoy that too yeah, because, yeah. yeah, that that being able to relate to people like that is really nice. But yeah, you need those bridge meetings though, where and even if it makes maybe some people feel uncomfortable sometimes. And I'm thinking about like diversity on a broad spectrum here. Like I could see where. I mean, I would be uncomfortable in different diverse groups, like hearing that maybe mm-hmm. some of my behaviors or assumptions like aren't helpful <laughs> to yeah. this to this group of people and like how I could do better. But I think at the end of the day, like I still want to be educated about that, though. And I think that sometimes um, not having those affinity groups, bringing people who are hetero into the room creates this us versus them mentality which just it just yeah. serves to further isolate the two groups and that's yeah. not what we're looking to do here. So I have a question about that. Is it so so one of my questions that I have written down is a general question about how straight people can be better allies. Is it helpful for straight people that want to be allies to join those affinity groups and have those conversations with you all and and help other straight people like understand what your experiences are? I mean I would love to sit in that room and, you know, just sit sort of like I'm doing now with these podcast episodes and just like observe and listen to what you all have to say. And like one side of me is like, well, it kind of sucks that we would have to be in this separate room in this separate group to talk about it. But at the same time, like if that's the first step or or is that the first step? Yeah, um, I would. I mean, that's a that's a question I've tackled with me being white and trying to show support to people of color, lawyers of color, and is it appropriate for me to show up at these affinity meetings? Um, for example, like law school, like uh, Balsa, like was it, like what was my place in showing that support? And I think from my perspective as straight people helping LGBT people, I think showing up at those affinity meetings, I assume, and so long as like the firm is setting it up to be this open, like anyone who supports, you know, LGBT and allies or something, uh, then I would show up. It's just also knowing like where your place is. Then, like you're not at the meeting necessarily to be a, to speak unless yeah. it comes up to uh, the conversation turns to something where it would be appropriate for you to speak. But um, you don't want to be that straight person that comes in and just takes over the room. You, I think it, but if you're there to listen, I think that's actually really helpful. Yeah, I think that's that's a really good point, and I think maybe the affinity groups have work to do about being very intentional, kind of like in their marketing and making it really clear to people that this group exists for also for the purpose of educating other people who maybe wouldn't necessarily identify with this affinity group because. I know, I know there are several groups, like, I don't, I don't know if I would feel comfortable rolling into, like, the African-American Lawyers Bar Association. Like, I would feel, uh, not because, obviously, I'm not African-American, but because I would feel that my presence maybe would look like trying to, like, take it over and not as support. And even, even without speaking, I feel like I would almost need maybe a green light from the group beyond just oh it's open to all and some sort of like weird small font asterisk at the bottom of the file but maybe those group members of our like queer affinity group going out and talking to people about how important it is to have people who do not identify as whatever member of whatever group it is be there and how how like integration and sort of learning from each other is sort of the most important part of that affinity group beyond just like relating 
to your homogenous community of people. Yeah, and I think it goes both ways. Like it's partly on non-LGBT people to try to more outwardly show their support, but also it's on the affinity groups and the, and the marginalized groups. And I, I hate to say it because then it's like, oh, now we just have another burden to yeah, bear. I but know. I think it, it helps our cause to then reach out and say, you know, this is what we are. This is These are the issues that we're experiencing. Um, these are the ways that we can change the culture to make it better. And there's, you know, it doesn't always have to be a super serious conversation. There's ways to celebrate diversity um, without making it like you guys suck, like straight people suck. Right. Like, right. I don't think that at all. And I think it that's what people are kind of worried about is if you get into those conversations, it's you're going to just feel guilty. And I don't want people to feel guilty. I just want them to be aware. Right. I mean, people are mostly, in my experience, super like well-intentioned and well-meaning with most of the things they do like literally in life in general and a lot of it is just not sort of knowing or even like being aware of how their actions and how their words sort of can affect different like subgroups that they're not part of I mean I'm sure I do it all the time we all do it all the time to, to groups that we're yeah. not part of it's just like an education piece and I think that for people who aren't in those affinity groups like them being more vocal about asking questions about like what would be my place here do i have a place here like do y'all want yeah. people who are um heterosexual here like how can we help and both both parties like you said being more active on either side about ways to care and ways to yeah. support and ways to get involved in those groups and i and uh, this might go to the broader question you were asking like how um straight people can be more of an ally um this is sort of anecdotal but i in, in the past when i've called people out for maybe saying things that weren't quite th th i mean they were kind of homophobic or just implicitly homophobic they've taken it as like well i'm not homophobic like oh no 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 like i would never like i had a transgender friend like <laughs> the token friends that's my favorite excuse this girl that i called <laughs> out um she said that anthony from queer eye was only attractive to her because he was he must have been bi or something like he must have had some attraction to women for her for him to be attracted to her and i was just like it's no like <laughs> someone's attracted i mean anthony is really hot but it's not because of like his sexuality means that like we're might be compatible, uh, although he's way above my league. But um, <laughs> <laughs> my husband's glad about that. But um, but I think like like when someone calls you out for saying something that's so blatantly homophobic or racist or whatever it is, it's it's about just taking that and learning from it instead of jumping to the oh now you're attacking my character and saying I'm not saying that you are homophobic. I'm saying well, what you said was homophobic and that you should maybe think about that. Um, differently in the future right and i mean i even try to like not sugarcoat but use lead-ins about sort of like challenging assumptions in people by like fully avoiding the word homophobic or anything because it seemed or racist or anything like that i don't think that would be my first choice of language when somebody says something i guess it would depend on the time and place if they like really made me angry or something yeah. like that and depending on who it was, et cetera, kind of like how we were talking about before and setting boundaries for the holidays. And maybe you're around family members who don't share your political views. And like, you know, part of it is maybe you don't want to cause a scene or it's not the time and the place. But I sort of, I don't know, I try to start with like an anecdote about, I don't know if it's like, if it's like one of my like straight um, female friends, I'll sort of try to phrase it in terms of like, 
okay but like how would you feel like if a dude acted that way to mm-hmm. you or and not even I don't even mean that in like a talking down or degrading way I think it's just it's difficult when you're not in that space to see that other that other side of it yeah. and I think those examples really help me when somebody's yeah. trying to explain to me like okay like eh like what you said was kind of problematic there or we don't use that language anymore to describe this group of individuals like even as a person who is obviously immersed in the gay community I learn new things all the time just specifically about the gay community and different terminology that's used and I think a lot of times people just sort of shrug off a lot of terminology because they're like oh all of it all of it's just too much and it's it's just too much and it all just it's all just baloney because there's too many things to learn etc instead of like viewing those opportunities as like discrete separate learning experiences Mm -hmm. and I don't know when people are explaining things to me I always find it helpful to have like an example or a pictorial or something to like to to kind of learn about that So I think that talking about like labels and the way that we address certain people and certain things and certain types of people and just like letting other people define themselves is really important to this discussion. Mm -hmm. And I think it's relevant to like the greater context of stigma overall. It was actually a topic I kind of wished we had um, talked about a little bit more in our original stigma episode because I think that's something that's really important for reducing stigma and for making people feel more comfortable in situations is changing the terminology that we use to describe them. So like you should be able, Matt, to define yourself however you want yeah. and I should I should feel comfortable using that that terminology with you rather than feeling offended if I say something wrong and you say, hey, no, like that's not how I identify or that's not how I describe myself. Mm-hmm. It go- and, and again, I think it's a part of the broader context of like stigma in general where like instead of calling people prostitutes, we should be saying sex worker. Instead of saying alcoholism, we should be saying substance use disorder. All of these terms that have such a negative connotation I'm not going to say ones that are applicable in the queer industry because yeah. they're just like too like I'm not going to say them. But there are those words that have been used for so long that like we need to stop using because they have such a negative connotation and it just contributes to the stigma and to the negative experience and to the marginalization of people that identify in those situations. And, and I think yeah. it's relevant to the to like queer communities. Sorry. Yeah, I think people. Um, you often hear it from uh, at least generally older generations who get offended like oh everyone wants to be politically correct da, 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 da. and it's not about that th- that makes it about you and about what you're allowed to say and mm-hmm. it's not about that it's about these people whatever community identifying themselves and then that is their identity they are the ones that own their identity and it's we're only excluding these people and not letting them have a voice by choosing to use these other terms and in that way it's its own whether explicit or implicit um uh ostracization of these these communities these people because you're not accepting their own the way of identifying themselves yeah and i think that normalizing this is one way that law firms can work to like be better about all of this in general like being open about and and we'll talk about this later about but like pronouns and being open to having people adding their pronouns to their signature line mm-hmm. ways that law firms can support people in normalizing the this new type of terminology because i think a lot of it is new and those older generations aren't familiar with it so they are resistant to it 
but people in our generation are resistant yeah. to it well are, as well. And so I think that might be one way that law firms can work to address some of these issues is just normalizing this new terminology and and letting their employees identify themselves. So like having gender neutral policies, right? Like instead yeah. of saying for women we do this, for men we do this, or like maternity leave versus paternity leave, it's just parental leave. Mm-hmm. I think that can help to to hopefully address some of these negative experiences and issues that are so prevalent in the industry. So we talked about some of the ways institutionally how we can start creating positive change here. What kind of advice um, do we have for individuals who are hoping to create a more supportive environment? So we talked a little bit about how individuals can like speak up about wanting to join alliance groups, et cetera. Matt, I know you were talking about challenging sort of your own like stereotypes and assumptions and talking about like recognizing your privilege and sort of using that to elevate others. Yeah, um, I think that's a great way that on an individual level you can affect change because a a firm's culture or a corporation's culture starts with the individual unit. And uh, I think uh, for the straight self care partners out there um, a way that you can improve the culture at whatever uh, employer you work at is is making intentional efforts to be more inclusive Uh, whether that you know starts with just not gendering people's partners whether that starts with challenging your own assumptions about you know what a fellow male colleague might be into Uh, maybe they're not into sports and that's okay maybe they're still heterosexual even though they're not into sports uh, I just use that as the, you know, that's the kind of stereotypical example of toxic masculinity. But um, I think that's a great way to start. And then also, so that that's, that's sort of a self-reflective way. And then a way to now intentionally take that out into your corporate culture and the people that you're interacting with at work is to then leverage your privilege as a straight person who already somewhat conforms to the ideal, quote unquote, of the majority of people um, to use that privilege to then uh, advocate for these changes that will be more inclusive, advocate for giving your queer colleagues and queer partners at work a, more of a voice um, and leveraging that privilege. Because I, I think privilege is something that's just hard to ever avoid. Obviously, ideally, we live in a world where everyone was as equal as possible, but we're, I think, uh, for the foreseeable future at least, going to have a world where everyone in some respects of their life will have privilege over others and i think it's about recognizing it and not just saying like trying to push it to the side and pretend you don't have it i think it's about recognizing yes i do have privilege as a straight person or yes i do have privilege as a white person or whatever it might be whatever way you might have privilege and then saying all right how can i use that now i already have a voice at the table how can i use my voice to make my corporate culture better to make my society better yeah, I think that's a great idea. It reminds me um, of something I've been thinking about recently about equity versus equality. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, not everybody maybe gets the same exact type or level of support. Maybe that's more tailored to individuals and using your privilege to help those people who are different from you is a great way to kind of increase equity in your workplace or in your community. Yeah. And I think maybe on a personal level, level, I was just thinking simplistically about how like I could be helped or, or ways that would have helped me back when I was sort of in a more isolated, darker spot with my sexuality 
is sort of like literally just asking the queer people that you know in your life how specifically best to support them and just sort of like yeah. checking in um, on a really simple basis. It doesn't have to be like some like tear jerk serious conversation. It could be like, how are you doing with like things lately? Have have you joined that Stonewall Sports League? Have you, you know, yeah. have you, do you have enough community support right now? Like, how are you doing in your job? Like, have you, have you felt any like sort of like negative bias or anything like that? Yeah. And just sort of like that question lifts someone up out of isolation, I think. Yeah. And I think it's, it is about just checking in um, and having, it goes to the self-care partner thing that, that with mental health, you should be checking in with the people you're closest to at work. Uh, and then in particular with people that you know at work who have a background or an identity that's different from yours, checking in with them personally and just saying, you know, how is, is this like affecting, like, are, is the workplace being uh, as supportive as it could be? Are there ways that we can improve? Are there ways that I can help improve the culture here? Um, and then and I think that's especially true, well, in any marginalized group, because when we get to labeling things, we often end up generalizing and mm-hmm. sort of whitewashing the experience into one general gener- generality, which is why I've always struggled with identif- identifying myself by any one label in the LGBTQIA alphabet. Yes. B- and I've often now started moving more towards just queer and it's becoming more accepted. It used to be sort of a pejorative term, but it's becoming more accepted to just generally say I'm queer mm-hmm. because I think when you say I'm gay or I'm lesbian or I'm bisexual or, or transgender or whatever, it might then people put you in a box because our brains automatically want to put things in boxes and from that we lose sight of the individual and when you when you do that you forget to do these things like checking in because you think oh well the firm has like gender neutral policies now like oh like um you know there's like 10 gay people now at the firm so we've like checked the gay box off but we're not necessarily considering oh well jim is a gay person of color um, from a wealthy background, Bob is a straight uh, white person from a poor background. How do those differences, like, there still might be differences there, even though we've put Bob in, like, he's the white guy, he's fine, box, his socioeconomic background might affect him. Or we put Jim in the, oh, he's rich, he's fine, box, his racial background might affect him. And that that applies in the LGBT community as well. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Okay, yeah, that that is all really, really helpful. Um, I want to now just take a couple minutes to ask you all some questions that I've personally had and also some questions that our listeners have had. The first question that we have is, how have you all learned to deal with all of these issues and have you and are there particular ways that you found to be helpful when addressing your own mental health in the context of being queer or outside that context um so for me I think that one of the ways that I learned to try to start dealing with this and I spoke a little bit about this in the first part of this um sort of mini two-part series is um trying to increasingly be brave enough to not lean into um my like straight leaning appearance or presentation um, and start correcting people's assumptions. So I I have mostly done that now, but I'll still catch myself every once in a while being like, uh, I'm not going to bring up that very relevant story that I would normally bring up if I was comfortable around this XYZ new person or superior, et cetera. But sort of trying to like take that step and make it less of a stressful like coming out thing and more just of 
oh, I shouldn't be afraid to say she or her or I went on a date with this girl, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, and just maybe challenging that assumption. And I sort of have made it better for myself because now I've framed it in a way that's like kind of fun because I've kind of like got some joy out of like proving people's assumptions wrong because yeah. I think it's it's like sort of humor humorous now like seeing the look on their faces on some people's faces when they're like she's gay what <laughs> like it's it's like it's like fu- it's <laughs> funny they, they, I, they yeah, don't think right? you notice but you notice <laughs> yeah yeah I noticed so um I, I've tried to make it more into of like a fun or funny experience instead of oh my gosh I have to come out for the second time today today's a day you know so instead of framing it that way for me Mm -hmm. um and it doesn't always work to frame it that way because sometimes i'm like you know what i'm just gonna avoid this one because i have too many other things in my mind and i'm just gonna let them continue to say the word boyfriend um so i know for me that like increasingly letting myself um be brave has helped me and has helped my mental health and i think other ways that i found ways to support my mental health is and i talked to y'all before about finding my ideal therapist the older wise lesbian um so I think that um for me and for probably a lot of people it's important to find mental health support that identifies with you and maybe it's not as important for others but I got really lucky to have my like older wise lesbian as my first therapist and now I just want to like replicate that experience and it's somebody who I like relate to and trust and I could you know I relate to and trust frankly like mostly hetero people because that's like a lot of people who are in my life but um something about like the therapeutic experience I I just in my head I'm like no I like want them to like know where I'm coming from and like know who I am which doesn't necessarily mean they have my exact same experiences I mean almost similar to the way that like I kind of want a female OBGYN so um like in in healthcare provisions I I sort of want somebody who I feel like I can get really vulnerable with and comfortable with quickly to like better effectuate services they give to me yeah I think I would just echo uh what Laura said about one being more open but at the same time I recognize that in some respects we are privileged in that we work uh will be working with uh employers that have more of a corporate structure with these policies that um, even though the law might not protect us, like the the corporation or the f- law firm has policies in the books that will protect us. So we can be more open and it is easier for us to disarm someone by quickly mentioning the, oh, my husband or, oh, uh, this girl I'm going on a date with, whatever it might be. Uh, and I'm just thinking now, maybe there's probably listeners out there who might be at a smaller firms or smaller towns where they don't have those official protections and that's really why we need laws on the books but first of all yeah and second of all i think that for those people um i would encourage them if possible to be as open as they can uh, because i have found that by showing people that you are equally as talented equally as capable if not more and are happen to be whatever identity you have lgbt identity racial identity whatever it might be having challenging their assumptions um can advance not only your career but also for the people that are to come to follow you um and just like our queer forefathers have done so much for us i think a small thing that we can do in this day and age where we have advanced so much is to um is to, to be as out as we possibly can um, the second point uh, to, to what Laura was saying was just having someone 
um, who identifies uh, with you that you can can confide in. I think that's important. Yeah, and I think maybe like whether it be a therapist or just a friend or mm -hmm. a close relative or something. I I mean like personally I find that to be really important as well in my own close relationships so I think that makes perfect sense um, and all of those were were really great answer the next question is how do we address and incorporate non-binary pronouns so again I think I mentioned this briefly before this is something that is part of that like new terminology that we talked about mm -hmm. people identifying with different pronouns is something that is more recent I think and is becoming more and more prevalent and it at least seems to me that this is one way that we can start that as, as straight people, we can start to be better allies is understanding different people's pronouns and using them. Sometimes it can be hard to keep them straight, mm -hmm. I'm sure, but like doing our best to use them. So how do we address that, especially like in the workplace where maybe it's not super prevalent yet? Like, I have a strict signature line that I have to have at the end of my email and it doesn't yeah. include my pronoun. So is is that something that could help or, or what are ways that we can start to address different pronouns? Uh, first of all, you should not always assume gender, someone's gender. Uh, now that it's, it's a judgment call because you don't want to like going up to someone and it's just natural to be like, maybe use she, her, but maybe you can avoid using gendered pronouns at the beginning until you learn someone's pronouns but no matter what as soon as you learn someone's preferred pronouns intentionally you and correct yourself you know i know and i as someone who is not non-binary who identifies as uh masculine i have you know it is it's a learning curve but it's something that you have to do because again it's not about you know your convenience it's about this person's identity who they are and it, it's not about being politically correct. It's about recognizing this person for who they are because you would want someone to come up to you and c use your correct pronouns and use your name and use your correct identity, whatever identifier you might have. And this is just about human decency and respect. And I think uh, in the workplace and, and at home, wherever, it's important, like even when they're not around, to intentionally use and correct yourself if you're not using that person's preferred pronouns. Yeah, agree. I think people are like I, I i feel like people sometimes shy away from using any pronouns at all at risk of like saying the wrong name and correcting themselves and i feel like at least in my interactions with people who are non-binary or maybe don't um immediately at first glance look like the pronoun they identify with i feel like it's so much better to like literally with intentionality practice those pronouns um, and really like think about them and if you do make a mistake I feel like it's totally fine I think in my opinion again as somebody who identifies as she her um, in my opinion I feel like it's better to try and get it wrong and correct yourself I think that shows a lot more support than sort of just avoiding the issue altogether and lumping it into oh here's more things we have to do or learn or etc I think that e for effort um, I mean, it shows support and I feel like it's, yeah, it's a human thing to do. Yeah. So and again, it's like that. leveraging your privilege as someone who automatically fits the binary that we have for some reason set up right. over time. It's, it's, you can now use that to, um, and using that in spaces with uh, people who maybe are just new to this idea of non-binary identities, using those pronouns, teaching them the appropriate way to do it. That can 
because that can change the culture and that's going to create more an inclusive environment and make uh, our non-binary friends or non-gender conforming friends feel more included and have their voice heard yeah it's like a million little small acts that that make up the whole and i think that caitlin's idea about putting it in your signature line if you can i think that's a great idea um i think that at different events maybe where you have write on name tags um a practice of writing your pronouns on them is a really good move um i know we do that at stonewall events it's just a default assumption nobody really even like not that they don't notice it but it hasn't become a point of like discussion or like contention or anything it's not like a weird thing to do everybody just sort of puts like for me i put laura she slash her and we go about like our event or whatever and i think if more um professional spaces did that or like event spaces did that it would be a really cool move yeah do you think that if straight people were to do that more, it would make non-binary people feel feel more comfortable? Or do you think that, and maybe you don't know because yeah, it's I, hard to... we're not, like none of us in this room are, but but I think part of the, the this question is like where, like is there a line, where is it? Is it appropriate to ask someone at the outset what their pronoun is? And if so, like how, do you ask that question in an appropriate way? And again, maybe we don't know because none of us in this room are non-binary, but I know that was just one question that that we had on our list that we wanted to ask. And um, if there are non-binary listeners, please feel free yeah, to point. message us. Yeah. Um, and well, we would love to have you on, but it would be great if you could message us and like let us know. We would love to have a person who is like non-binary actually speak to this or or somebody who goes by maybe different pronouns than they were given at birth etc yeah i i don't know if i really have an answer for that because yeah. i don't identify with it but i um i think sexuality wise just going like if you can analogize to that i would not want someone to make an assumption about no. who i am I so. thought I thought something that someone did. I don't remember what event this was. It wasn't a queer event, but it also wasn't like a like a firm professional event. But anyway, they um, were introducing themselves. Just oh hi, I'm Laura. I do this, etc. But they were saying hi, I'm Laura. I go by she/her pronouns. I work as a corporate attorney. Da 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 da. And they just blended it seamlessly in, kind of to like their introduction or oh, elevator nice. pitch. Yeah. And I thought that it was like a really cool way of doing it. And it didn't like like force a person to answer a question that they might not feel comfortable with or depending on time and place and space and their own personal mental space or whatever but it sort of made it a really natural segue if they wanted to highlight pronouns or not they could have responded yeah i'm mad i'm a corporate attorney and do this or they could have said hey i'm mad i go by they them etc whatever the last question that we have is Are there any particular tips that are especially relevant around the holidays? So you already discussed a little bit of your discomfort with the holidays coming up. I think that the holidays can be a stressful time for everyone. We've talked about this a couple episodes ago. Um, But one particular area that might be relevant in the queer community is especially when you're going home and maybe growing up, you identified one way and then you go out into the world and you learn about yourself and you identify as something else. Are there ways to, to that you all have learned if you've had these experiences to deal with negative experiences or positive experiences 
from like people that you knew in your past that maybe like don't know how you identify now or or like addressing going home for the holidays and having different experiences than maybe you did like before yeah so I think for me so I didn't really come out as gay until like my senior year of college so it's kind of a relatively new thing as far as my life um and I was actively involved in the Boy Scouts when I was younger, and that was just an organization where you couldn't be at the time. Uh, now they've changed their policies, but at the time, you could have been kicked out. Um, so I was very closeted growing up. But uh, So going back, interacting, and a lot of my friends and, and adult mentors are f- through the scouting program at home. So whenever I go home, I like try to touch base with those people. And uh, slowly and but surely, I've come out to pretty much all the important ones. And I think part of it is not making an assumption about how people are going to treat you and then also if the person doesn't take it well i like to go to a mantra of one of my idols rupaul (laughs) which is if they don't pay your bills don't pay them no mind (laughs) um so some people like it's their loss and it can hurt Uh, in the short term in the long term it can really hurt but at the same time like i am happiest being my authentic self and if they can't take that for whatever weird reason, because it doesn't affect them, so I don't know why the hell they care. But um, you know, I I've learned uh, over time to just be as authentic as possible and and not pay them any mind if they're not paying my bills. Yeah, that's great, and it's a great sort of hearkening back to what we were talking about when we were going talking about going home for the holidays and sort of having a plan and like thinking about the ways you would react to something like that that was adverse or what you would do in that moment and i fully support the use of rupaul in that in that circumstance um like i've said before i think like the holla gaze always sort of heighten all the emotions (laughs) (laughs) i see nothing wrong with having four holla gay episodes um um i think that holidays you're welcome. Um, kind of heighten like all the emotions, whether they be good or bad. I know for me, like extra support around this time of year is helpful, like queer community wise. Um, going home, I feel like anything. <laughs> um, I don't want to categorize or stereotype all, as all small towns are being like this, but I do find where there's less diverse populations in general. I encounter more people who just haven't encountered lots of diverse people or maybe they have that like mm-hmm. one gay friend or something like that which is fine I'm very happy for you and your gay friend but sometimes it's difficult to kind of um speak to them in the same way that I would like people here in Richmond or yeah. you know my own community etc um so having a plan for encountering different like reactions and like really like leaning on supportive people who like do know me in conversations we do have and making me feel like I'm not in some alien world um it's really important um I know for me so I'm pretty much out to everybody except for my father so that's always been Mm -hmm. an interesting like not point of contention I felt mostly okay with that but increasingly like so right now my goal is before I'm 30, I'm going to do it. So I'm 29. I don't have that much time. But um, I just sort of got to pull the plug and I'm like annoyed with myself about like my hesitation. But but I'm I'm, like, I'm both. I'm gentle with myself about it. And then I'm like, okay, just, it doesn't matter. Just, just do it, et cetera. So I find that like in times of like birthdays and holidays and whenever I do go back home, I just 
I'm really intentional about checking in with myself, especially about what I want to do about that, etc. So I'm thinking the next time I'll see him, is it Christmas? My family is coming to me, thank God. Um, and I'm not traveling. Um, so I keep on thinking like, maybe I shouldn't do that at Christmas. Don't yeah. know if that's the best Christmas present. So I guess just sort of recognizing that maybe people who are creating your life have um, you know, different sort of experiences around the holidays and around seeing their friends and family. I'm sure that all of you do. Um, I'm sure like seeing people that used to be in your life or maybe your family brings up a whole host of both interesting and wonderful um, emotions for you. Um, but in the same way, I think that queer people have an extra fun set of um, considerations to sort of think about. All right. That was a great conversation. Um, I think in the last two episodes, I personally have learned so much. I'm sure that several of you out there that are listening have also learned a lot. Um, Matt, thank you so, so much for being here. Thank you for this having has me. been like absolutely incredible. I think this might be like our two best episodes that we've done yet by far. It's been great. Um, <laughs> So I think that's the end of that conversation. If you have any thoughts, please, as always, reach out to us. Um, it's time for Happy Pills. Yay. Yeah? Yeah. All right. My happy pill is Christmas is literally right around the corner. I Christmas has always been my favorite holiday besides my birthday. <laughs> And so I'm very excited um, to just like spend some time with my partner's family. I love like he has two really young nephews and children on Christmas is like for me just the happiest feeling because it brings back all those magical feelings of when I was a kid and like yeah. still believed in Santa and, you know, just like absolutely loved Christmas. Santa's not real? What? Oops. <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, Ariana Grande is also Santa. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so that's my happy pill. I'm super excited to just, like I said, take some time to relax over the holidays and then, you know, get back at it. My happy pill is not traveling for the holidays. I am very excited to stay anchored right in my own little house. Um, I made my parents come to my sister and I on Christmas because we have a much more Christmassy house. And that was the logic that I used to beckon them down. <laughs> so um, we kind of have low-key Christmases now, which is kind of nice. Yeah. So that's that's my happy pill, honestly. Um, I'll be leaving on New Year's Eve um, for Colorado for my first time in Colorado to, um, to ski oh, nice. for like five days. So I am jazzed about that um i've never been west coast skiing i'm like an east coast ice skier so hopefully i don't like break a thing um but i am looking forward to doing that probably more than christmas which is fine this is like my new like adult christmas so yeah that's my happy pill for the week well good um yeah my happy pill is that this week we had the green card interview for my husband and i because awesome. as i said earlier he's from trinidad originally um and he got approved yay um so this is a big uh big moment for us uh in our relationship and obviously because it means he can be here and in the current environment it was important to secure that as quickly as possible um so that we can start our lives together about 75 episodes on the current yeah <laughs> that has its own mental health issues <laughs> yeah, yeah um but yeah so that's just been really nice to like have that done with 
um, so that he can look for jobs and we can start like planning our futures without the worry of like him not being in America. So that's like the best happy pill ever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just, just that's just like the cherry on top of yeah, our best timing. episode series. Yeah, you have the best happy <laughs> pill ever. Homework. <laughs> okay, straight people. Here's your homework. Um, just be an ally. Think about all of the things we've talked about in the last two episodes. It's been a lot. Last time we talked about, you know, assessing your environment, maybe assess your own reactions to certain situations and start finding ways to be better allies for our LGBTQ counterparts in the same way that you would for yourself and for anyone that you love and care about whenever you have the opportunity. Think about pronouns, um, start putting them on your name tag, maybe talk to your firm about putting them in your signature line, stuff like that, that, you know, make active steps to to being an ally for for our our colleagues. And I will do the homework for our holidays. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I'll get it in one more time at least. Um, So I guess first, be gentle with yourselves during the holiday season. Maybe you don't need to be, but that's just a free pass to be gentle with yourself because I'm thinking that I need to be gentle with myself and that's what I need. So I want to give that gift to you. Um, and also, you know, when, you're, when your um, hetero allies are being good allies and they're asking good questions, um, so be supportive of that effort too. I know sometimes it's, you know, exhausting and taxing to have to talk and think about those kind of themes all the time but um I guess I don't know sometimes I try to not let like my frustration with that sometimes like outweigh like recognizing somebody's intentionality and effort especially when you know for a lot of people it's sometimes like an awkward topic to broach I mean we were just talking about um you know non-binary pronouns and we were all kind of like you know how is that best Mm -hmm. but you know sort of maybe cutting people some slack giving them the benefit of the doubt for their e for effort efforts and recognizing that you know most people are trying to create a supportive environment for people and they're really just looking for you know an opportunity to be educated about that um i really do believe that most people are well-intentioned in this space so trying to like keep that in mind i think is some good homework for this week but yeah i would just say it's starting with the assumption that everyone's well-intentioned and that uh, as for straight people don't assume that gay people are the you know political correctness police and then uh queer people don't assume that straight people are homophobic so it was so awesome talking with y'all have a lovely holiday merry everything whatever you celebrate and we will talk to you later yeah and i promise that we will stop shoving the holidays down your throat now that they are (laughs) over the holidays will be everlasting thank you matt yeah thank you very much guys Bye. bye Hey, self-care partners, just a reminder to subscribe, rate us, and leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. And if you don't mind, give us a follow on Instagram at Emotion for Mental Health and like us on Facebook. If you want to participate in our conversation, slide into our DMs or shoot us an email at emotionformentalhealth at gmail.com. Talk to you soon. soon.